please join in hymn number 503, O Come, O Come, Emmanuel. Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit, the Lord be with you. A very warm welcome to our Sunday celebration of Mass. As we begin our Mass, we invite the young children to come to the front of the church. Advent wreath to remind us of the particular Sunday that we're on, and as you see, uh, we've already lit one of the candles, which means that we're on the, we've already celebrated the first Sunday of Advent, and now we're going to light another candle, which means that we are on the second Sunday of Advent. And today, especially at Mass, we're going to hear of somebody who's very important in Advent, John the Baptist, and we're going to hear of him, especially in your uh, Mass today. I need somebody to light a candle today. Who, who, who could do that? Who could do that for me? Let me see now. Who can I trust? How about you? Don't 
these Sundays of the Advent season are very important to us. They are moments of great faith for us when we prepare for the coming feast. And of course, what we're doing is we're getting ourselves ready, uh, our minds and our hearts and our lives we're putting in order for the feast. And today, uh, especially in the readings of today's Mass, we hear of John the Baptist, who gives a message of straightening the paths out uh, uh, so that the Lord himself may enter into our lives. To begin the Mass and to offer the Mass more worthily, we first call to mind our sins. Lord Jesus, your mighty God and Prince of Peace, Lord, have mercy. Lord Jesus, your Word of God made flesh and splendor of the Father, Christ of mercy. Lord Jesus, you are the way, the truth, and the life. Lord, have mercy. And may Almighty God have mercy on us, forgive us our sins, and bring us to everlasting life. Let us pray. Almighty and merciful God, may no earthly undertaking hinder those who set out in haste to meet your Son, but may our learning of heavenly wisdom gain us an admittance to his company, who lives and reigns with you in the unity of the Holy Spirit, one God forever and ever. Prophet Baruch. Jerusalem, take off your dress of sorrow and distress. Put on the beauty of the glory of God forever. Wrap the cloak of integrity of God around you. Put the diadem of glory of, of the eternal on your head. Since God means to show your splendor to every nation under heaven, since the name God gives you forever will be peace through integrity and honor through devotedness. Arise, Jerusalem. Stand on the heights and turn your eyes to the east. See your sons reassembled from west and east at the command of the Holy One, jubilant that God has remembered them. Though they left you on foot with enemies as an escort, now God brings them back to you like royal princes carried back in glory. For God has decreed the flattening of each high mountain of the everlasting hills, the filling of the valleys to make the ground level so that Israel can walk in safety under the glory of God. And the forests and every fragrant tree will provide shade for Israel at the command of God. For God will guide Israel in joy by the light of his glory, with his mercy and integrity for escort. The word of the Lord. What great things the Lord has done for us. What great things the Lord has done for us. When the Lord delivered Zion from bondage, it seemed like a dream. Then was a mouth filled with laughter. What great things the Lord 
St. Paul to the Philippians. Every time I pray for all of you, I pray with joy, remembering how you have helped spread the good news from the day you first heard it right up to the present. I'm quite certain that the one who began this good work in you will see that it is finished when the day of Christ Jesus comes. God knows how much I miss you all, loving you as Christ Jesus loves you. My prayer is that your love for each other may increase more and more and never stop improving your knowledge and deepening your perception so that you can always recognise what is best. This will help you to become pure and blameless and prepare you for the day of Christ and you will reach the perfect goodness which Jesus Christ produces in us for the glory and praise of God. The word of the Lord. with you. A reading from the Holy Gospel according to Luke. In the fifteenth year of Tiberius Caesar's reign, when Pontius Pilate was governor of Judea, Herod Tetrarch of Galilee, his brother Philip Tetrarch of the lands of Etria, Trachonitis, Lysanias Tetrarch of Abilene, during the pontificate of Annas and Caiaphas, the word of God came to John, son of Zechariah, in the wilderness. He went through the whole Jordan district, proclaiming a baptism of repentance for the forgiveness of sins, as it is written in the book of the sayings of the prophet Isaiah. A voice cries in the wilderness, prepare a way for the Lord, make his path straight, Every valley will be filled in, 
Every mountain and hill be laid low, winding ways will be straightened, and rough roads made smooth, and all mankind shall see the salvation of God. The Gospel of the Lord. It might seem a very strange thing for me to say, but we should be careful about people who claim to speak for God. Down through the centuries, there have been many charlatans, as there have been saints. There's been many tricksters, as there has been prophets. You know, the church itself claims to be infallible, but these times in which we live, it shows that we are more fallible than infallible very often. We don't always get things right as the church. Popes have put people in ghettos. Popes have called for purges of unorthodox people, killing them, hounding them from their lands. Popes have said on earth that the uh, earth itself is the centre of the universe. Popes have said that People should be wary even of black cats. You will recall even that uh, Jesus, uh, after he makes Peter the rock of the church, uh, whatever you bind in earth shall be considered bound in heaven, whatever you loose in earth shall be considered loosed in heaven. Then immediately after that, he says to Peter, get behind me, Satan, for the way that you think is not the way that God thinks. Peter then goes on to deny our Lord three times. Even the first Pope himself doesn't always seem to get things right. That thing about being infallible shouldn't be misunderstood. It doesn't mean that we are always right. We weren't right about the earth itself being the centre of the universe. We weren't right about putting Jews into ghettos. We weren't right about being wary of black cats. Maybe ultimately what that infallibility itself is all about is a kind of quiet assurance that the church's teachings and its popes and bishops and priests will always guide people ultimately to the right way to heaven. But it's easy, isn't it, to see the danger of any group thinking itself is always right, and we have seen that where that very often leads in the past. The times and the recent tragedies uncovered about the church show that we have certainly not been right. The times that they say to us that we should be more humble and not indulge in some kind of one-upmanship, trying to captain the ship, if you like. We are always ultimately in the church merely servants of God's people. We're not the message. We're not the important ones. We're only earthenware vessels carrying the treasure that's within. Strangely enough, today, in the readings we hear of someone who claims to speak for God, John the Baptist, and he is in that great Old Testament tradition, for the prophets themselves claim to carry the word of God with them, that word of God that gives instruction, guidance of God's will in certain matters. 
You can imagine in any times there are people who believe everything anyone has said. And of course there are people who are always sceptical about the wild claims that people very often make, and maybe rightly too. And people are right to be sceptical very often. For in every religious tradition, there are charlatans and there are saints, there are tricksters and there are prophets. But it's how to decide ultimately what is real from what is unreal, what is true from what is untrue. I suppose ultimately what we believe is that we have got the cream of the crop, that those prophets who gave the messages to the people are the inspired word of God itself. The people realised that they were dealing with something which was right and which was a light for their lives. These men who were prophets, we would not be comfortable with. They would often be extreme figures who would live lives that we would find ourselves hard to identify with. Sometimes they were in religious ecstasies, sometimes great denials of worldly things. They weren't men, certainly, for small chat. And it's clear that St. John the Baptist is in that great tradition of the Bible itself. He eats wild locusts, he eats honey, he lives in the desert, he has little contact with human beings until he arrives from the wilderness and begins to speak. Our modern world, I suppose, would instantly label him an oddity, a religious fanatic, and maybe even somebody seriously deluded. But not for the people of biblical times, for they received holy men always in the same way. It was their duty to listen to their message and to heed their warnings. But the thing in the end about John himself, as you probably realise, is that he ends up being the rejected prophet. His message is not accepted. In the end, in the New Testament, tells us that it's true. But what we hear also is that his head is cut off. His message is ultimately rejected, even although it seems clear that even in the New Testament times, he is regarded to be a prophet. For the Christians themselves, they th clearly thought that John the Baptist was a prophet and that he was the prophet that was meant to bring down the mountains, to fill in the valleys and to make straight the paths. He was meant to be that prominent person. But the Messiah that he himself was supposed to prepare for is not the Messiah that Jesus turns out to be. John thought that he would have a winnowing fork in his hand and that he would gather the wheat into his barn and burn the rest. Not a cheery prospect. It's interesting then that the prophet himself, who is supposed to prepare for the Lord, doesn't quite get things right. Although he is able to describe Jesus as the Lamb of God and that he must decrease as Jesus increases, what we hear also is that he sends a message from the prison and says that is Jesus the one that they are to wait on or is they are, to, are they to wait on another? Clearly there is some doubt in his mind. There's nothing clear or quite right about John the Baptist in that sense. 
And yet, clearly, for the New Testament, he is the one. He's the one to prepare the way. He's the one to bring down the house. He's the one to bring the revolution. He's the one in whom there is no other. He is the one to prepare for the Messiah. The whole mystery of Christ coming into the world is that he accepts the imperfections of this world. And of course, in the imperfections himself, he redeems the world. He comes into a world that doesn't accept him, that doesn't understand him, and that clearly doesn't really see what they are preparing for themselves. Even this prophet, who is supposed to be the prophet who prepares for the coming of the Messiah, is clearly not exactly sure of what the Messiah himself would turn out to be. I return to that thought at the beginning of today's Mass. Be careful of those who speak for God. It might seem a strange thing for a priest to say to you today. It's almost as if, in a certain sense, you give your redundancy notice uh, in those words. But clearly those who speak for God, and there are those who don't speak for God, there are messages that we should listen to, and there are messages that we should exclude. There are things that are authentic, and there are things that are inauthentic. There are people who are charlatans, and there are people who are tricksters, and there are people who are real. John the Baptist himself is no trickster, no charlatan, no deceiver. And even although this person is strange in worldly terms that we would see, and maybe even confused about the details of Christ coming into the world, it's his voice that we follow, it's his advice that we take, it's his direction that we are led by. And his are the final lines that are spoken before the arrival of Christ's public ministry. These are the words that awaken hearts to what is to come next. I believe in one God, the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, of all things visible and invisible. I believe in one Lord, Jesus Christ, the only begotten Son of God, born of the Father before all ages, God from God, light from light, true God from true God, begotten not made, consubstantial with the Father, and through him all things were made. For as men and for our salvation he came down from heaven, and by the Holy Spirit was incarnate to the Virgin Mary and became man. For our sake he was crucified under Pontius Pilate, he suffered death and was buried, and rose again in the third day in accordance with the Scriptures. <coughs> the seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come again in glory to judge the living and the dead, and his kingdom will have no end. I believe in the Holy Spirit. The Holy I confess one baptism for the forgiveness of sins, and I look forward to the resurrection of the dead and the life of the world to come. Amen. And now let us pray. (coughs) 
The psalm today reminds us that the Lord has done great things for us. Our mouths were filled with laughter and our tongues were, were filled with joy. With confidence now we make our prayers to God our Father. Let the voice of the Baptist may again echo through the lands as we prepare the way for the Lord. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. We pray that our life may not become a prey to unnecessary worries and concerns. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For our country, as it faces a major decision regarding the, the direction it should take, for discernment and wisdom from those called on to make that decision on our behalf. Lord, hear us. For those without a home to call their own, for those living in temporary accommodation and for those living in hostels, for places of safety and warmth for all our people in this land this winter. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For all who are away from their families this year, living in faraway countries, that they may be united in spirit, even though they are separated by land and sea. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. For all who died, especially Joseph McGuigan, Daniel Doherty, Gerard Cullen and Mary Coyle. Lord, hear us. Lord, graciously hear us. Almighty God, in these days of Advent in which we prepare for the coming feast, we recognise that we are celebrating these days of the promise of the Messiah, and we ask you to give us trust and faithfulness in our life. We recognise that you never forget us, for you have carved us in the palm of your hand. Help us to put our trust more firmly in you. We ask this through Christ our Lord. Join in hymn number 851, When Is He Coming? When is he coming? When, oh, when is he coming? The Redeemer. When will we see him? When, oh, when will we see him? The Redeemer. Come, oh, come from your kingdom. people on earth to 
Sisters, that my sacrifice endures may be acceptable to God, the mighty Father. Be pleased, O Lord, with our humble offerings and prayers, and since we have no merits to plead our cause, come, we pray, to our rescue, with the protection of your mercy, through Christ our Lord. The Lord be with you. Lift up your hearts. Let us give thanks to the Lord our God. It's truly right and just, our duty and our salvation, always and everywhere to give you thanks. Lord, Holy Father, almighty and eternal God, through Christ our Lord. For he assumed at his first coming the lowliness of human flesh, and so fulfilled the design you formed long ago, and opened for us the way to eternal salvation. That when he comes again, and all is at last made manifest, we who watch for that day may inherit the great promise in which now we dare only to hope. And so with the angels and archangels, thrones and dominions, hosts and powers of heaven, we sing the hymn of your glory as without end we acclaim.
We are indeed holy, O Lord, the fount of all holiness. Make holy, therefore, these gifts, we pray, by sending down your Spirit upon them like the dewfall, so that they may become for us the body and blood of our Lord Jesus Christ. At the time he was betrayed and entered willingly into his passion, he took bread and, giving thanks, broke it and gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and eat of it, for this is my body, which will be given up for you. In a similar way, when supper was ended, he took the chalice, and once more giving thanks, he gave it to his disciples, saying, Take this, all of you, and drink from it, for this is the chalice of my blood, the blood of the new and eternal covenant, which will be poured out for you and for many for the forgiveness of sins. Do this in memory of me. The Mystery of Faith. We proclaim your death, O Lord, and profess your resurrection until you come again. Therefore, as we celebrate the memorial of his death and resurrection, we offer you, Lord, the bread of life and the chalice of salvation, giving thanks that you have held us worthy to be in your presence and minister to you. Humbly we pray that sharing in the body and blood of Christ, we may be gathered into one by the Holy Spirit. And remember, Lord, your church spread throughout the world, bring her to the fullness of charity, together with Francis, our Pope, Joseph, our Bishop, and all the clergy. Remember also our brothers and sisters who have fallen asleep in the hope of the resurrection, and all who have died in your mercy. Welcome them into the light of your face. Have mercy on us all, we pray that with the Blessed Virgin Mary, Mother of God, Joseph, her spouse, the blessed apostles, and all the saints who have pleased you throughout the ages, we may merit to be co-heirs to eternal life and may praise and glorify you through your Son, Jesus Christ. Through him and with him and in him, O God, Almighty Father, in the unity of the Holy Spirit, all glory and honour is yours forever and ever. We pray with confidence to God our Father in the prayer that Jesus has taught us. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread, and forgive us our trespasses, as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. Deliver us, Lord, we pray, from every evil. Graciously grant peace in our days, that by the help of your mercy we may always be free from sin and safe from all distress as we await the blessed hope and the coming of our Saviour, Jesus Christ. Amen. Lord Jesus Christ, who said to your apostles, Peace I leave you, my peace I give you. Look not in our sins, but in the faith of your church, and graciously grant her peace and unity in accordance with your will, who live and reign forever and ever. Peace of the Lord be with you always. And now let's offer one another a sign of peace.
of God, behold him who takes away the sins of the world, blessed are those called to the supper of the Lamb. Lord, I am not worthy that you should enter into my life, but only say the word of my soul shall be healed.
Join in hymn number 743, Word Made Flesh. Jesus, come 
Let us pray. <clears throat> Replenish by the food of spiritual nourishment, we humbly beseech you, O Lord, that through our sharing in this mystery, you may teach us to judge wisely the things of earth and to hold firm to the things of heaven. Through Christ our Lord. Please be seated just for a moment. Just uh, before you go, just to ask you to join us on Monday evening for the carol service here in the church. Uh, it'll be a very nice occasion organised by our musicians, so hopefully many of you will come along to that, uh, and especially if you have children and family uh, come together, uh, obviously to prepare uh, well for Christmas. But obviously it's a, a very nice, reflective and prayerful uh, thing to do uh, during this season. I uh, just want to alert you to uh, something which I think might be a concern for us in the future, and it's in the parish bulletin, and it concerns the kind of new road arrangements. It's not quite uh, decided as yet, but uh, the proposal for South Lanarkshire is that uh, uh, Camus Lang Central will be uh, uh, car permits uh, for residents. Uh, so basically that kind of means that everyone living in the area would have a permit, and everybody that doesn't uh, wouldn't. Uh, so uh, that creates kind of, uh, is, in, in prospect, is going to create problems uh, for coming uh, to church. Uh, it means if you don't have a permit, uh, then you can't park in any of the adjacent roads around here. Uh, and as you can might imagine, that creates a, an even greater problem, if you like, uh, if we have weddings or funerals where people certainly don't have any permits uh, and they can't park in the area. Uh, it's going to cause uh, a, an awful lot of upheaval. So uh, there's a kind of consultation document uh, with regard to this. Uh, it's obviously, uh, there's, there's problems uh, with p people parking in the neighbouring streets, you know, and, and then uh, going off and leaving their cars. And that seems to be the kind of the, the, the problem itself. But the, 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 the problem for us would be then that... that that we would have difficulty access to the, the church because many of you come uh, with cars yourselves and if you didn't have permits then you wouldn't be able to park in anywhere near the church. So uh, there is a kind of consultation document that's uh, been issued by South Lanarkshire and I'd like you to ask you to get a hold of that and maybe to respond to it yourself uh, with kind of the concerns that that, that generates for the church. Uh, so South Lanarkshire has issued this document and it has to be uh, the consultation uh, period lasts until the end of January, and I know that we're coming up to Christmas, but if you can get a hold of it online or, or anywhere else, then, then please do respond to it, because if you don't respond to it, then, then they're just going to make the decision, and it's going to create a lot of problems for the church. So it's just that I kind of foresee that as a, it's going to be a very significant uh, a problem in the life of the church. Obviously, we have poor parking uh, uh, spaces here uh, uh, in the in the church, uh, and we depend on those other areas around the church to to allow people to have uh, kind of uh, car, car parking spaces, and and that then would would maybe not be the case. So so please do if you can respond to that consultation document. Please now stand. The Lord be with you. May Almighty God bless you the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Go forth, the Mass is ended. Please join in our final hymn, number 216, Come, O Divine Messiah.
Come on.